Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 214 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. And if you watch on the YouTube or uh, you might just be able to hear the smile in my voice, I'm so excited to be sharing with you today my interview with Bonnie Chui for, uh, for her book, Why We Swim. As you may know, I have become a swimming aficionado in the last year and a half or so. I never would have taken winter off had I known that come March I would not be able to keep swimming the way that I wanted to. So when I saw her book in the store, I had to have it. I grabbed it. I read it. I loved it. And she was kind enough to come on the show and talk about the writing and talk about swimming a little bit. And I just couldn't be more thrilled to have spoken to her. So I hope you do enjoy that which is coming up. And around here, things are moving briskly. I am about 62,000 words into the book that I'm writing. And actually right now, today, I'm having a little bit of a panic moment where I realize, as usual, I don't have a plot and maybe I need to have a dark moment that I'm moving toward. And maybe I need to have something that makes that dark moment happen. So this afternoon, I will be spending some time actually thinking, using some of the uh, intellection quality from the Clifton Strengths that I need to write my books. So I'm kind of looking forward to doing that and rejiggering some things. What I don't do in a first draft ever is go back and fix anything. That would bog me down and I would never move forward. Uh, but I do need to remind myself of what's actually in the book. So about at this point, every time during a book, I like to, uh, I have a little process that I do to look over the book and kind of remind myself of what's in there, what my goal was, who these characters are. It's time to get in there and just touch these things again. So I'm kind of excited to do that. Also, it means that I don't have to do my word count today because my work is actually going to be rejiggering. And I'm only going to spend a few hours this afternoon doing it doesn't need to be done again. And then tomorrow I'll be right back into the first drafting again, which I'm still really loving. So uh, I'm a brand new person when it comes to that kind of thing. Uh, What else is going on? It has been just very busy lately as I closed out um, one section of 90 Days to Done and 90 Day Revision. And this is your official announcement. It is probably, I'm going to say almost most definitely your only announcement that you will get. If you have been thinking about joining 90 Days to Done, um, I actually opened two sections this time because of demand and the first one is full. It filled up almost instantly and I have about four slots left in the second section. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about what 90 days to done is about. So this is, this is what it is. Uh, the section that is open will meet on Zoom starting January 1st, going through March 31st. We'll meet on Zoom at on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. So if that doesn't work for you, you can just tune this out. But this is what we do in 90 Days to Done. Uh, it is for people who want to write their books and it's just been taking them longer than they thought. It is for people who have never put a word on the page. It is also for people who 
have half a book, 75% of a book, but just can't get to the end. It is for novels and memoirs. What it is not a useful class for is nonfiction. Uh, that is about, you know, how to start your business, uh, th- that kind of really straight up nonfiction. But if you're writing a novel or a memoir, this class is for you. It is creativity within constraints. You have 90 days. You don't have six months. You don't have a year. You are not wasting time. You do the work because of this constraint. And be- and what is the really magic part is that it will be better your work will be better because of the constraint. Um, I like to remind people that it is never easy to find the time to do the writing of your heart. And it only gets harder as we move forward in our lives. So the time is now if you want to do this. What else will we do in this class? I'm just looking at the page here. Um, if you are interested in this, you can go look at it at rachelherron.com slash 90 days to done the number 90, nine zero days to done. Uh, what you get in it is accountability. You get the one hour weekly live class um, where there are a rotating hot seat where we talk about your work. Um, each meeting is recorded and shared afterward in case you can't attend live, but I do expect you to attend most of them live because that's where uh, so much of the good juiciness is, is talking with each other about our work. Um, you get a detailed plan of action every week. I teach something new while at the same time you are writing your book. Uh, there is homework. It's a doable word quota based on your goals. There is no critique in class. Um, however, you there is a way that you can share some of your work with me. Uh, first drafts are too early to critique. That kills writers. It stalls writers in their tracks. This is not the class to do that. Um, but the accountability, the action plan is there and you get community. These communities that I put together in 90 days to done, they stick together. They stay together. Uh, my classes that ended last week have already met this week without me to continue meeting together and supporting each other. Just wanted to share a couple of testimonial quotes, and then we will jump into the interview. Uh, but Beverly Army Williams said about 90 Days to Done, uh, this wasn't the first novel I've ever finished, but it may well be the least painful one I've written. Don't get me wrong, I love to write. Or rather, as the saying goes, I love to have written. But if I'm going to have written, I gotta write. And 90 Days to Done provided the space helped me carve out and commit to the time and built a supporting supportive writing community in order to get that novel finished. Best of all, Rachel offered craft lessons, useful as a brush up if you studied writing and priceless if not, answered any and all questions without making me feel dumb, and a weekly meeting that was the cornerstone of our community. Rachel's lessons and handouts are clear, smart, and sensible, just what a writer needs during the thrills and bumps of getting a novel done in 90 days. And actually, Beverly just finished 90-day revision uh, with me too, so that was awesome. And M. Donald says, uh, Rachel Heron is a gift. I've taken a ton of classes, both online and in person, but this is the very best class I've ever taken. I went from zero words written on the book I've dreamed of writing for years to writing the end for the first time ever in 90 Days to Done. I never thought I could do it, but she showed me how. So that is enough of a commercial for this class. Again, I said uh, four slots left. They will probably be gone by the end of the weekend. Uh, but you can always go check rachelherron.com slash 90 Days to Done. If the classes, if both classes are full, um, there will be a sign-up form where you can get pre-alert the next time I open these. 
That's how these classes filled so fast because people were on the pre-alert list. So do put yourself on that if you are interested in 90 Day Sedan or 90 Day Revision. 90 Day Revision filled practically before I opened it with students who were in 90 Day Sedan who are guaranteed a slot in 90 Day Revision. Most of them just moved right over. So that means it filled uh, without me opening it. So I do apologize if that was a class that you were hoping for. And what else? I'm just feeling very grateful today. I've got a candle burning behind me. I am about to, right after I push send on this podcast, I'm going to jump into the book and start to rejigger. And I just freaking love my job. And I'm so grateful that I get to do it. And I'm so grateful to you for listening. And uh, when you reach out and tell me that you like the podcast, that you listen, that you're writing because of something that somebody said on the podcast, it makes my whole life. You can always reach out to me at Rachel at rachelheron.com um, or find me wherever I am on the internet and I would love to hear from you. Okay, let's jump into the interview. I know you're going to love it and I know you're going to want to swim afterwards. All right, we'll talk soon, my friend. Well, I could not be more pleased today to welcome to the show Bonnie Tui. Hello, Bonnie. Hi, Rachel. I'm so glad to be here with you. I have been looking forward to this so much. There, there are times when, you know, publishers send me books and then, you know, automatically I get to speak to the writers. But my favorite thing to do is when I pick up a book and love it and then reach out to the author and get them here. And <laughs> you, let me, let me give your bio first and then I'll, then I'll jump okay. into heaping praise upon your head. Uh, Bonnie Tui is a journalist and longtime contributor to the New York Times. She is the author of American Chinatown, winner of the Asian Pacific American Award for Literature and a San Francisco Chronicle bestseller. Her new book, Why We Swim, was published by Algonquin Books in April 2020. It was a New York Times book review editor choice, a Boston Globe bestseller, and an LA Times book club pick and bestseller. Her first children's book, Sarah and the Big Wave, about big wave women surfers, will be published by Henry Holt for young readers in May 2021. So, wow. And I have this theory about your book, and, and tell me what you think, and you might think I'm just completely off base, but I think it couldn't have come out at a better time. It is super weird. Okay, so first of all, it's weird to be putting out, um, you know, a book about swimming in a time when most people couldn't swim. <laughs> and we talked yes. about that a little bit um, yes. already. But um, it is, you know, of course, the silver lining of that is that people had time to think about their relationship with swimming, something that they probably took for granted, you know, and um you know, the, again, like many silver linings of this like crazy ass year would be that, um, you know, there's some time for contemplation, there's some time for appreciation of all of the things we've lost, but also what we will so acutely appreciate so much more on the other side of this. And of course, swimming is one of those things. And, you know, of course, over the arc of what is it, eight months now yeah. that, you know, many people have been able to return to the water, whether it's open water or some of the local pools have reopened. And they are coming back with, um, you know, just like a, a ferocity of, uh, uh, of appreciation and just attention to the moment. And so I also think like, you know, people had time to write, you know, I have been the recipient of just these glorious letters, you know, highs and lows. People are saying I cried when I read your book and I thought that's not what I thought was going to happen. You know, like I'm like, you know, this book is an appreciation of swimming and how much of course, um, I personally appreciate, but also the um, 
sort of framework of it is like this inquiry into our human relationship with water and with swimming. And it is a very curious relationship because we are the really unique in um, terrestrial mammals in that we have to be taught how to swim. We don't instinctively mm-hmm. know how to mm-hmm. do it from birth. And so that's an interesting, um, you know, sort of like mind uh like tickle like you have to kind of wrap your head around that and you know and and so this book is explores so much of of what it is that fascinates us about water and why we want to get into water called to it and yeah it's it it was strange to um to i would not have been able to anticipate this moment none of us could but it's you know that's the silver lining (laughs) yeah yeah i think i mentioned maybe in my email that I was, I, I've always been able to swim. Like I was taught when I was a kid, but I was taught by some, you know, somebody's dad, maybe my own dad. I don't remember in a, in a, you know, somebody's pool and I've never, I'd never done it well. And I, uh, last year I'd gotten, or maybe two years ago, I'd gotten really into the idea of swimming and I took lessons, real serious lessons and learned that it doesn't have to be this flailing out of breath, like panting, just trying to keep yourself alive. It doesn't have to be a struggle. <laughs> and it shouldn't be a struggle. As one, as, as my teacher said, you know, the more you relax, the better your swimming is. And I had never known that. And she taught me how to just stay on top of the water and move. And I had been having these real celebrations of, you know, the body and being in the moment. I think there's no better place for me personally to be in the moment than in the water. Yes. And I regret every single day of this last winter when I didn't go to the mills pool, which is my, oh. my pool. I would yeah. you know, drive by and I would see the steam rising off it. And I thought, no, it's just, it's just too cold. I'm not going to get in there. I don't think I've ever regretted anything more. So, um, <laughs> so lie, lying on the couch, just reading your book and absorbing it. I think I was just your perfect target market to get into that deep contemplation. Thank you. So before well, I also love to hear, I just want to say that I love to hear that about your experience taking lessons and, and, um, creating this new relationship with the water that was, that's easy. Like that's the thing that I wanted to communicate with the book for sure. And it was absolutely in the book, the, the, the beauty and the, the magic. I've always thought it's magic that we can enjoy being inside a medium in which we cannot survive. You know, if you pull me one inch under, I won't live through it right? and hold me there. But, but otherwise it's just the, it's the place where my body feels the best, you know, and it always has been, I've always been a person who wants to be surrounded by water, but, um, and embracing that. And and you and I talked a little bit in email about how I have embraced open water swimming. (laughs) And I actually did, I did get to aquatic park and it was wonderful. I've only been there once. Um, yeah, it was so. Are you still swimming out there? Where, where are you swimming right I now? I am. So where I had been swimming a lot over the pandemic um, was at Keller Beach um, in Richmond. So on the east side of. Wait, I haven't swum there. I'm in Oakland, so that you should go there. It's what? much closer, and yes. it's great. It's a similar. Um, in that it's a protective little cove. You're blowing and, my mind right now. Yeah. So look it up. I'm we'll going to go we'll like, after this. <laughs> maybe like after this podcast, I'm just going to go ahead, throw go on my, do you go, do you go wetsuit or no wetsuit? Um, I have gone both, um, just depending on the water, but I, I was, I was, um, especially careful in the early days of pandemic because, you know, you're, go, you're out there by yourself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would be swimming with, um, sort of at a distance with friends, but just not knowing what the conditions were and then becoming comfortable with them to, to not want to get in trouble in a way that would risk anyone around me. So I, I was very careful with, um, 
just temperature and all that because not again not knowing um but i mean now you i definitely would wear a wetsuit <laughs> it's pretty chilly but i'm glad to hear that <laughs> perfect okay so can, so you are writing about all of this and doing all this but you're also a longtime contributor to the new york times can you tell us a little bit about your writing process when and where and how do you get it sure. done yeah i mean my, I'm clearest and best in the morning, you know, um, I, the ideal, my ideal writing day is that I get up early and either I go surfing at first light or I get a couple of hours of writing and thinking in, and then I, you know, I would hit the pool. Like that's what was my normal yeah. routine was where I would go to the Albany pool near here. And, um, Actually, I got to swim and I got a lane reservation at the Albany pool this morning. So I, I've been trying to make one. I keep, I keep I, missing it because I'm yeah, not a resident. Uh, so I've got to go. The next yeah. round will be in, in a couple of weeks. I think. Yeah. Um, and it was sort of like old times because I, I woke up early and I kind of did a little bit of fiddling around and writing. And then I went to the pool and I came back and I was sort of getting ready for, to talk to you. And I got a little bit of writing in and I just thought like, it's, it was a little bit of this normalcy that I that I like with my writing practice. And I mean, by like two or three in the afternoon, I'm fried. Like I just can't really hold big thoughts. And so I like in the afternoon to be in the input mode. I like to be reading and just, you know, lying on the couch, just, uh, um, uh, you know, being having other people's words kind of flow through me. And then I use Scrivener. Um, mm -hmm. to write and it's a, a fantastic program especially for like long form work that I wrote while we swim using that program what I discovered is that um, there's like you, you know you have Scrivener installed on your laptop but also I have it on my phone so that if I'm lying on the couch and reading something and I have um, uh, like a a, a, a a moment of you know insight and I want to note it down in the document that I'm working on I will just take my phone open it up and I can type it in and to the ease of that, um, you know, sort of like friction, removing some of the friction yeah. to like make notes in the work itself. Yeah. I really love that. So like, I, 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 again, like it's the morning is at times when I need to be thinking bigger, clearer thoughts. And then sort of the afternoon, I let myself drift a little bit and putter around and, you know, I, I read a ton. And so I, I, I need that, you know, I yeah. need that creative juice going from from that conversation in my mind with other writers that is that you're basically describing my perfect day too I get too <laughs> I get too much email and I'm always yeah. doing that in the afternoon instead of lying around reading yeah but lately my goal has been to get at least two hours of reading a day yeah I just gotta fit it in somewhere yeah, so yeah for sure what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing um I think that the mushy zone when the idea has yet to coalesce mm -hmm. and solidify I have trouble with that because I'm sort of like I got this feeling maybe that I it's around some topic that I want to write about I don't know what it is I don't know what the specifics are I don't know how it would what shape it would take but it's just sort of like this tickle and um the weird thing is that once it finally solidifies into specifics where I'm like oh this is the argument this is the this is the this is the thread I can pull to you know create a piece um I feel like an idiot because it seems so clear. Like, why didn't I, it's so obvious. And oftentimes that comes out in conversation with yes. um, 
right? Even not even writer friends, like friends, close, just people I love having conversations with. And so I have really missed that. And I actually, um, I was talking to a couple of writer friends of mine from the San Francisco Writers Grotto over the last couple of days. And, um, you know, the, the absence of daily chance, spontaneous interactions, you know, when we would be in our writing uh, writers collective and you know, I would be in my office and I would kind of come out and get like a cup of tea or something and I'd run into someone in the hallway and have like a 10 minute conversation that just got my got me excited got my brain going in a different direction and salt and and sort of obliquely solved the problem that I had been having mm-hmm. like I miss that so much I really miss so so now it's just more difficult to activate that you know the, yeah the, the idea to the solid tangible thing to really like tackle and chew on. Um, but I, I think that what I need really need to do, what's become clear to me is that I need to have more conversations like this, you know, yeah. this is just very, yeah. it gets my, my energy up and my brain going in a way that's very stimulating. And I miss that. I miss that too. Uh, that, especially that's that chance spontaneous conversation. I was, yeah. I was part of a, a really amazing women's co-working space that didn't actually make it through the pandemic. And I just, I really, really missed that. But yeah, that, that, that coalescing that feels so, so like you said, inevitable, like, how did I not see this? Right. There's even a level at times where I'm like, that's so obvious. And I didn't see it. Can I trust this? Is this even good? You know, even though, you know, it is, you can feel yeah. it. So what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Um, I really love reporting. So I love going out and reporting and talking to people and collecting their stories and having them share their stories with me. I, fi- I find that so um, invigorating and exciting because it's like they, they have invited you into their world. They've opened the window into their, you know, whatever their reality is. They, um, you know, are a, a marine biologist or they... Yeah. Um, you know, our construction worker or their uh, emergency room, you know, doctor, I just feel like um, I always feel very lucky to be able to have that momentary connection. And then I like, I, um, I also really honor that trust. Mm-hmm. And I love the, the sort of like the, the, the phone calls we'll have afterwards that feel very intimate or the email exchanges or the text exchanges or whatever. And then um, one of the most, most satisfying things for me is, of course, like you finish the story, you polished it, you've really honed it, and then you get the kicker just right. And then you're like, yeah, that's it. And then you just send it off. <laughs> it's gone. Like, that's very satisfying. I mean, sometimes it comes back to you and then you're like, and then they're like, yeah, no, that's not yeah. good. But I do think that when you finish it and you hit the tone just right to your ear, your internal ear, like that's very satisfying. Yeah. And there's something to be said about you being true to your own, you know, your own voice and your own um where your thoughts and your conclusions take you. And certainly it's, I I really enjoy that editor interaction too. But um, when you feel that it's right on your own before you send it on, like that's very satisfying. There's nothing better than that. And I I really want to make clear that your, that intimacy that you foster with your subjects and the joy with which you do that part of the work is so clear in your writing. (sighs) Um, I just kept, you know, and I, I read so many books as well, but, but my wife knows when I was lying on the couch reading this book, I just kept sitting up and saying, 
I love every word of this. <laughs> I loved it when I was just with you, just with you in the water. And then I loved it when you were with these incredible other athletes that you're talking to. And it was, you have such a way of bringing the factual and the the reportage into your work, but also remaining um, very consistent to that intimate tone you have with the reader. And I feel like I learned a lot just from reading your book, just really how to do that. You. So thank you so much. I'm, I'm going to say it again, why we swim, everybody should go get it. <laughs> I picked it up on a whim. Um, can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? Um, I was thinking about this question and uh, it occurred to me recently that there is no substitute for printing something out mm. and sitting with it. I mean, okay, so we're all, there's a many, in many ways, it's so much more efficient and convenient to just be like fiddling around, you know, in the document, digitally moving things around. And But when you kind of get to a certain point where you feel like you've hit, you've hit the limit of that, um, and I, and I felt that way recently and I printed it out and then I sat down with the pen and I think it's, um, this is, I'm old enough to, uh, remember the transition from like writing by hand, <laughs> like writing creatively by hand to, um, like having it start, start and finish on the screen. Yeah. You know, yeah. like when I was a kid, like in high school and I would write, I would write longhand and I loved yeah. doing that. And I actually remember getting my first laptop before going to college. Oh God, I'm so old. Anyway, <laughs> so I was just like, Oh, this is cool. You know, and we would type like nonsense things to each other on the screen, but it was weird to move like creative thought from pen and paper to the screen. And there was I, like, I think I'm your age and I absolutely remember that transition. <laughs> and I was like, there's so much possibility there, but it's also, a, it's a different way of thought. It's faster and you don't have the time to, I, I think there's, and everyone knows this and there's science supporting this, like the, the, the tempo, the pace of handwriting, it's just a different connection you have with your thoughts and writing and creativity. And so um, I think to, to have interject um, times when you, with whatever piece you're writing, I think even a sh really short piece would benefit from that, um, even though probably most people won't, wouldn't necessarily take the time to do it if they're working very quickly and have a short deadline. Um, but I think to have at least one time when you're printing it out and you yeah. look at it and then everything is seen in a, you just see it in a different way yeah. and engage with it in a different way. And so like that from, even in this day and age, I'm like, get out that freaking piece of paper and your pen and just, you know, like get at it. Um, I really, I really do that when I'm very stuck. And in yeah. fact, right, right before the pandemic, I was, I was in the co-working space. So I remember this, I printed out a chapter of a book I was writing on because I was so frustrated and I literally got out the scissors and I went oh, back, so like, if I put this paragraph here that, you know, yeah. and it was really fun. It felt like playing again, yeah. you know, and it yeah. did create that connection. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? Well, I have to say it has been in the last few years swimming. Yeah, I was going to say it probably is. For sure, because I, before I wrote this book, I did not think about it like that. I did not inquire or interrogate why it is that I feel that, you know, going into the water immersion is um, 
beneficial to me. I just I just thought about it more as as pure exercise, you know, to kind of getting it out, getting out the ayahs, and then and then sitting down. But really, it's now having really spent time interrogating that, talking to researchers about it, you know, doing a lot of reading, and then understanding, like observing very finely, very attentively my own experience. You know, what am I thinking about when I'm in the water? How do I feel afterwards and sort of like what happens in the process of writing this book and this, the last section of the book, especially on flow, it mm. was very eye-opening for me. It, it um, And it was sometimes weird. And I've said this before where I would go and go for a swim and I would in the morning and I would say to myself, okay, what am I thinking about? What do I see? What do I taste? What do I smell? And then I would be in the locker room, like, you know, typing into my phone. And then I would come home and then I would sit down and I would <laughs> like, try to channel that again. But because it was, um, it had just happened or, and I'd been thinking about it as I was yeah. doing it, it was like all oh, so many like meta layers. Yeah. Really wonderful. And then I would read poetry or I'd read some um, creative work about swimming that kind of got at it from an, again, from like the oblique angles, like just the, I loved um, exploring that. And, and I understand now, um, in a much more conscious way, how immersion um, is related to my creativity is related to my writing practice in my life, and how I feel I can access those parts of my brain. That is truly inspiring. And I desperately want to go get in the water. I don't care what water it is. It might, be, <laughs> might have to be the bathtub today. After but... the conversation, you're going to send me a photo. I'm like, I'm out. Of, you know, <laughs> yeah. your hair is wet. Right. <laughs> and I can't wait. Um, okay. So what is the best book that you've read recently? Your book is the best book that I've read recently. So what is yours? <laughs> you flatter me. I don't lay it on this thick for, for most of my guests, I swear. <laughs> I, um, I have, so I read mostly, um, I read a lot of books, but mostly I read fiction mm -hmm. unless it's related to, which is weird, right? I mean, unless it's related to something that I'm working on. But I think it's because fiction is so transporting. It just gets me out of my head. I just mm -hmm. fall into the story. And I mean, I think it does feed back into my, my actual work as a journalist and, and a nonfiction writer because it, um, the creative ways that uh, novelists or short story writers handle or po poets handle language and handle reality um, I kind of do take lessons but they're sort of like subconscious lessons in, in that right and language and all that um, but one of the books that I really loved um, recently was uh, is, a, is a novel called Your House Will Pay by Steph Cha hmm. and it's so good it is a very it's a novel about um like the intersection of lives, you know, and it, it takes its inspiration from a real life um, event, which is like, you know, in the nineties with, um, in LA, there was of course the race riots and, and, um, but also that it, it traces back to an event of, a uh, the shooting of a young black girl who in a community store who was buying, a, a I think it was like a bottle of milk and the owner, the, the Korean owner of the store shot her thinking that she was shoplifting or there was an argument and there was, mm -hmm. and so it was like a huge, and I remember this from when I was a kid, like there was a huge, um, you know, uh, it was a huge moment in the news. And then of course, like the sort of larger societal racial justice and um, 
movements and things that followed, the response to that was like in the community was really horrific, but also like called up a lot of things that had been sort of bubbling under the surface for a long yeah. time. And of course, um, uh, incredibly timely now in this in this particular moment, a historical moment now. And the fact that she wrote this novel, um, and it's just like, it's a gripping story. The characters are so finely drawn. They're so vivid. Um, and she was able to inhabit these characters and they're fic, you know, it's fictionalized, but it draws on very real events and, um, but she's able to inhabit the characters and bring them to life in a way that you just, again, like this was like a distant memory for me. Um, but then it has been kind of called up, um, in, in recent times and it feels so freshly timely mm-hmm. and riveting and profoundly moving and um, like an act of generosity and love to like put that out in the world, like, and how the characters kind of um, feel the consequences of, of their family's actions and everything, everyone is connected. And I just was really affected by it. I really loved that book. Um, and I think it actually came out last year. Um, this is a very, this is always a very selfish question for me because this is how I build to my TBR pile, but you said it was, uh, your house will pay by Steph Cha. Is that right? Okay. Fabulous. Just went to the top of my list. Thank you very, very much. Um, and now can you tell us, uh, tell us maybe the log line or the premise behind, um, why we swim, although we've already talked a lot about it and where can we find you and it and all of that. So why we swim, my elevator pitch. Is, it's a cultural and scientific exploration of our human relationship with water. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is um, structured, you know, of course, the question is presented in the title, Why We Swim. And then it's structured in five different thematic ways we can answer that question. So first of all, first and foremost, survival, right? We have to learn how to survive the water, life and death. It's a very, very very easy thing to understand. Um, but I explore all the different ways that w- what survival means to us, right, as a species. And and then moves to once swimming can, you know, you can swim for survival, it can mean so many other things. So um, well-being, you know, health, healing, um, and then community, you know, in a team, like with your shared tribe and, and um, competition, of course, like it's, it's sub- the subsuming of, you know, the, the life, death, um, you know, adrenaline in sport, right? So in competition, we just really love that. The absence of like having to really swim for your life, like you, you know, you do it against the clock. Yeah. And then flow, which is what we talked about um, a little bit already, but just um, what does it mean, you know, mind, body to be um, experiencing the state of flow where you just are completely um, lost and immersed in something that you're doing that you lose all track of time and also self, right? Mm-hmm. And you are really one with whatever it is that you're doing. And what if you did that while you were swimming? Like, what it, what is yeah. that? I kind of explored that a bit. And um, it was really such a, um, I, it was a joy to write the book. I mean, I think I thought about it for many years. I struggled with the structure, kind of thinking like, do I really want to do this? How would I do it? It's such a huge topic. Why am I doing it? And I wanted it to be a frame that held other people's stories, right? So again, I'm a journalist, but I'm also like a character in the book. Yes. Your guide. Yeah. (laughs) Which is my favorite kind of nonfiction, honestly. Yeah. It's, well, it was hard to figure out how to do it right though. You know, it's always the balance of 
how much of yourself, how much of your characters, and are those and and, and do, the, do those butt up against each other in weird ways? And certainly because um, as a journalist, I write in a certain mode, and as a you know an essayist, I write in a certain mm-hmm. mode. It's more personal, and so how to meld the two? And I and I feel very. Um, I'm really happy with how it turned out, but it could have gone horribly wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> there, but for the grace. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I, um, every time you would switch into another mode in the book, I would be at the same point disappointed that I was leaving the mode before and excited <laughs> to move into the next one, which was, it's always a sign of a good book to me. Um, the flow is what kind of interests me almost more than anything. And I do have that in the pool and I am not an open water swimmer yet to the point where I have any flow yet. I am yeah, definitely trying to exist. <laughs> yes. But that's also like that acuteness yes. and that presentness I think is yes. very cleansing. It totally. In a, like you erase everything else that you've been worrying about because you're so there's nothing else there's, <laughs> there's no like novel deadline there's no yeah, coronavirus exactly. there's yeah. just i need to make it home and you're I, great I, it is the best. <laughs> in a messed up kind of way it's great <laughs> all right well i want to keep you on the line after we say goodbye because i just want to pick your brain for one second about um keller but uh thank you so much for being on the show this was fantastic so and thanks for your book Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.